0: You are listening to the Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share here significant and heartfelt messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face your challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Show some love to a neighbor beside you. Tell that person, God is here. God is here. God is here. Amen. Grab your seats, everybody. Touch somebody beside you. Tell that person God will speak to you today. To you today. We have a we have a we have a great time. Did we, Was the series a great series for you? Yes. It was so beautiful. Everybody, say that again. The best is yet to come. Yet to come. Wonderful. After one feast, I remember I stepped down and there was this little kid who approached me, waved at me. And he said, hi little fellow, how old are you? And the little boy said, I'm six. And then he asked me, how old are you, Tito Bo? And so I said, I'm 52. And there was this little shock in his little face like, that's really old. That was a mean kid. But he wasn't through with me, no. He said, Tito Bo, when I grow older, I will be a preacher like you. I said, wow, that's amazing. And then I said this, you know, when you grow older and you give your first talk, I'm going to be there in the audience and I'm going to be listening to you. And he said, nah, you'll be dead. I'm telling you, that kid was (laughs) demon-possessed. I'm just kidding. He was speaking the truth. That's truth from the mouth of babes. I want you to understand that. And sometimes we can't handle the truth. And for many people, for many people, this is how our life looks like, this chart. Stage one, launch. Stage two, ascend. Stage three, peak. Stage four, Decline. We see it that way. Ask me why. You know, I was talking with my friends and these friends of mine, we've been growing together, growing old together, and, and we noticed as the years went by, there was these creepy words that would appear in our conversation that did not appear before. Ask me like what? Cholesterol. <laughs> Arthritis. Hypertension. We never talked about that in our 20s, in our 30s. Am I right? But then they kind of like slip in. And then soon we're going to hear creepier words like hot flushes and bald spots and erectile dysfunction. I'm sorry. I mean, I have to be frank with you. It's and but can I say something to you? Can I? You're not just a physical body. You're a soul. You you have eternal life within you. You do I hear a loud amen? amen. And I I want to say this to you that even if your body slowly goes away, it's your spirit. I believe this that. There is no end to spiritual growth. You can become better in the fourth stage of your life. You can grow more loving and more patient and more kind and more humble. Do I hear a loud amen? And so I believe life is like basketball. There are four quarters in a game. And in a game, the fourth quarter is the best quarter. It's the quarter that everyone looks for. It's a make or break, win or lose quarter. And so here's my belief. Look at, that cha- look at that chart. I believe that's how it should look like. That the fourth stage can be the best stage of your life. And it's important to start strong. But it's a thousand times more important to finish strong. Amen. There's this beautiful passage. I love a statement from from Paul. He says it in Timothy. He says, I have finished the race. At the end of his life, he said it. I have finished the race. Everybody say that with me. Can you actually say it? I have finished the race at the end of your life. The best is yet to come. I have finished the race. I've been faithful to God. I have done what God wanted me, wanted for my life. The fourth stage is about letting go. Audie said that. Everybody say letting go. It's letting go of roles, letting go of responsibilities, letting go of positions, letting go of attachments. It's more obvious when you're a parent because you've, you've gone through it all your life. Parents, raise your hand. Parents, you've been changing hats all your life. Arun Gogna, my friend, says that there are three hats that you have to shift. As the kids are small, you, you wear the controlling hat. Everybody say controlling hat. And you should use that hat when they are small. If you do not control your kids, they will stick their stubby fingers in electric sockets. They will play with sharp knives. They will make the South Super Highway their playground. Yes or no? You know, my my son, when he was 11, he had a girl playmate, 7 years old. The 7-year-old girl goes to my, my son and says, Francis, who will you marry? Will you marry me? I'm telling you, I had to wear the controlling hat or else there will be an early wedding in our family. He's only 11. No, thank you. But then when the kids become teenagers, you've got to change hats from controlling to coaching. If you do not do that, you know what a coach does? Stays away from that white line around the court. Cannot cross that line. Because if the coach crosses that white line, guess what? The whole team is penalized. And when a parent does not change hats from controlling to coaching and crosses that boundary line, the whole family gets penalized. Parent, raise your hand if you've got a teenager. You've got to learn to coach, not control. Say amen. Because if not, the kids, you'll have a toxic relationship with your kid. You're going, you're going to, that kid will rebel or If that kid will not rebel, that kid will not mature if you don't change hats. Am I making sense to you? And then the kids, they start growing up. And then after a while, they get jobs. And then they get married. And when they get married, time to change another hat. From coaching to consulting. Everybody say consulting. The difference between the coach. You see, I love being a coach to my teenage kids because I can pull them out of the game. Yes or no? And then I can coach them. I can instruct them. We're in a little huddle. I can inspire them. I can encourage them. And then I can say, go. Go back into the game. I trust you. That's what a coach does. But a consultant is different. He does not speak unless he's hired. Everybody say, oh. (laughs) If you don't change hats, guys and your kids are already married, I'm telling you, you're going to have problems, in-law problems. That's what's going to happen. Can I brag? Can I? My in-laws, my mom and my dad-in-law, they are the best in-laws in the world. 21 years ago, I got married, and uh, I'm not very good with my hands, i 'm really very clumsy and i i can 't change a light bulb without breaking the house you know that that 's how bad i am my father in law is an engineer and he 's so good and so when we when my wife and I got married, you know and something goes wrong in the house you know Daddy, your favorite son-in-law is here, you know, asking, And he would come with his toolbox and he'll fix, you know, the leaky roof. He'll, he'll, he's just so amazing. It's like I, I told my, my wife, my gosh, your parents are so amazing. They're there when we need them. And you know what? They never impose. We decided to homeschool our kids. And, of course, at first they were in shock. Homeschool? You won't send them to school you're going to do it by yourselves? Who will be their teacher? My wife said, me, your daughter. And I remember my mother-in-law said these words. She said, she, she, she said we, we, we don't know this homeschooling thing. We really don't. If you're going to ask us, we prefer that you send our grandchildren to a regular school. But they're just our grandchildren. They're your children. You decide. And whatever you decide will back you up 100%. That's a mother-in-law. That's a father-in-law. That's amazing. We've been homeschooling our kids all all their lives. He's 19, our eldest son. And um, our our youngest is 14. And it's been an amazing thing. Letting go is difficult. Um, Let's admit that. I'm, I'm gonna, in fact, I'm going to advise any, anyone who's 50 years old and above, raise your hand. 50 and above. Everybody say, I'm listening. When you go home tonight or today, I want you to get two pieces of paper, put them on the table, close the door, lock yourself there for about 45 minutes, and do two documents. The living will and the last will. If you don't know how to do this, Google. I want you, this is, this is serious. Do you love your children? You have to think about that. If you love your children, do these two documents if you're 50 and above. Because you do not want to confuse them and you don't want to give them conflict. What's a living will? You decide while you're still there you know because what's going to happen to you when you have when you're in critical condition would you want to be resuscitated You can actually say, you know what, if God is calling me home, you don't have to resuscitate me. I can can go, you know. Or do you want a feeding tube? Or I don't know, just do you want to actually go to the hospital or do you want to die at home? You can make decisions like that and write it down. And then if you want to edit along the way, you know, after one month, two years, whatever, you can do the same thing. But write your date, sign it. In your own handwriting, it's a valid document. You can show it to your kids. You can even discuss it. You can even discuss it with your daughter. But the important thing is it's clear. And then the kids are not confused. I have a friend. You know what's his name in the family? Berdugo. I I didn't even know what it meant. I had to research. It means villain. It means the bad guy. You know why? He was the one who pulled the plug of the life support system of his mom. He didn't want to do it. But no one wanted to do it. Of course. Kuya, ikaw na. Hindi, yoko. Kuya, ikaw na. You do it, you know. What, oh, me? I'm gonna pull the life, the, the plug. Hello. But you know, if it's written down, it'll be so much better. There's no guilt. Am I making sense to you? You know, you can even write down there, hey, so so that there will be no unplugging, then don't plug it in the first place. I don't need a life support system if God is calling me home, if I'm in a coma or whatever. So... Am I making sense to you? And then the second document is the last will. That's where you write down what goes to who. Like, stuff. mga mo sa paso. You know, this, this goes to my son. This goes to my daughter. This, the jewels, you know, whatever. I mean, if you love your kids, then do it. But you know, one of the benefits of doing these two documents, living will and last will, is this. Ask me what? It's for you. It's actually for you. To gain wisdom of heart. Know the number of your days, says the book of Psalms. To understand. In fact, there are two things that I want to advise you so that you can learn to let go. The first is practical. The second is spiritual. The first is practical. If you're in stage four, or nearing there, create a second act. Everybody say that with me. Louder. That's the time where instead of focusing on your role, you focus on your mission. Because those two are different. It's a time to let go. On July 11th, that's my birthday, I turned 53. I know I look like 42, but... I'm just kidding. I will be 53 this July 11 and I have made the decision, I've shared this already with you, that I'm stepping down from all official functions, positions, jobs from the light of Jesus' family, the feast family. I'm stepping down, I'm resigning after 39 years. I was 14 years old when I took this job. 14, 1918, a small garage with 30 people. After 39 years, let me go. But it's okay. You know what? People tell me, why? Two reasons. Number one, I believe in our young leaders. We have grown to 500 plus feasts all over the world. They are so much better than me. So much better. And I want you to know this, that... God has anointed them. And why? Because He wants them to lead. Now listen to me. If I will not give them space for them to lead, I'm going to fight against the God who anointed them. And that's why I'm letting go. But there's a second reason. And the second reason is this. This movement is not about me. This movement is about Jesus. And I need to decrease so that He will increase. Now listen. You don't have to worry about me. Ask me why? I have a second act. My second act is even without a position, even without a title, even without a job, I will still serve you. I will still preach here at the feast. As long as my leader, Audi Villarasa, will keep inviting me. A day will come, Audi might say, Okay, Bo, you're too old. And that's fine. But right now, i 'm going to be happy serving you i 'll be visiting the different feasts around the world, not as a leader but just as their friend i I hope that I can work more with the poor if I, if God gives me more time that that 's my second act. Tell somebody beside you prepare for your second act. let go give give pass on the baton, raise up other guys and other other young men and young women who can, who can take on your, your mantle but create your second act. And then the second key that I want to share with you is more spiritual in nature. The reason why we have a difficult time letting go is because of our identity so tied up to our role. And so, in key number one, instead of focusing on your role, focus on your mission. In key number two, instead of focusing on your role for God, focus on your relationship with God. That you are loved. That's, that's who you are. I'm a preacher, but what if I lose my voice? And I can't preach anymore? Or what if I'm too old to preach? Or what if people don't invite me to preach anymore? Will I be a lesser human being? And the answer is no. Because there is one thing that no one can take away from me I'm the beloved of God. That's who I am. That is Bo Sanchez. Loved by God. That's my identity. Can I invite you to stand up? And I'm going to read a passage from 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, chapter 7. The central character of our series is David. And at the stage four of David's life, that wasn't pretty we we went through the whole series david the shepherd boy david the warrior david the king and now david the dying king absalom his son did a coup d'etat revolted and it crushed david one of the generals of david had to kill absalom what a life When David was old and frail and lying down in his bed, another son, Adonijah, was grappling for power, trying to take over the kingdom. The last stage of his life was really sad. Can I say this to you? David may have been a great king, but he wasn't a great father. He did not probably spend time with his sons passing on the values of humility and selflessness. This is just my guess, but you know, if people ask me, so so did the king have regrets in his dying years? And I don't know, but if human nature is consistent, I guess. He was grieving for his failures. Look around you. It's the same all over the world. After 3,000 years, nothing has changed. There are people who are very good in their jobs, in their careers, but they're not very good in the most important job of the world being a father and being a mother. And sometimes when you're at the stage four of your life, you're you're, you're there. You're, you know that time is short. You look back and you've made mistakes. And you grieve. You're a human being. You know this. I know this. Probably, you know, at the, at the later part of my life, I will have regrets. And I will tell myself, why didn't I do that? Or why did I did, d- do that? Right now, You may have dreams that are not yet fulfilled and time is running out. And maybe right now, some relationships at this stage of your life are still wounded. And some prayers are still not yet answered. And you're wandering, you're wandering. David must have thought of that. Especially when he received this promise. 2 Samuel seven sixteen to 17 God told him, Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. That was a promise. And David lying down in bed, God told me that. My kingdom will last forever. Yet my sons are now fighting against each other. And true enough, a few years later, a few decades later, that kingdom was torn apart. Civil war. And and, and his kingdom was destroyed. Now think with me. The promise of God, your house and your kingdom shall endure forever. That's what God said to David and yet even right before his eyes, that promise was not being fulfilled. Let me tell you why. Why? Because sometimes we want our dreams to be fulfilled according to how we want them to be fulfilled. David wanted Israel, his kingdom to be a superpower. A world superpower. God had other plans. 1,000 years after David, Jesus was born. And he was from the house of David. And this Jesus and His kingdom will last forever because this Jesus is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And so the promise that was given to David came true, but not in his terms, not in his own timetable. And the promises that God has given to you, it will be fulfilled in his time. Now I want you to think about this. Some people don't know this. When you have regrets, David did not believe in the afterlife the way you and I believe. David and most of the Jews of the Old Testament believe that when they die, that's it. Finito. Kaput. Gone. You don't exist. That's their belief. Some of the Jews are, or, or the Jews of the Old Testament, they believe that maybe one day in some far distant future, God would raise up their lives as a physical body, physical resurrection. But but, no, but we, we believe that when we die, we're with God. Are you listening to me? We believe, we believe that when we pass on, we worship a Jesus that overcame death. We worship a Jesus that said, there will be a new heavens and a new earth. That's what we believe in. David did not. We do. And so when we have regrets and when we're grieving for things that we've done and grieving for things that we did not do and promises that we feel have not yet been fulfilled and dreams that have remained dreams and relationships that are still torn apart to this day and we wonder if God will answer our prayer. Here's my answer to you. Some of your dreams will be fulfilled. Not in your lifetime, but in heaven. And some of your prayers will be answered, not here, but after. Do you believe in that? And I'm going to ask you to lead, to just come before Him and tell Him that you trust Him. Tell Him that you, you surrender your life to Him. May I invite you Everybody say this after me. Jesus, I believe the best is yet to come. I believe my future is in your hands. And I entrust all my dreams to you. I surrender my whole life to you amen thank you for listening to this podcast from the light of jesus family for more messages like these please visit lightfam.com/podcasts